mindfulness mode. If you tell me that the human being is so designed with a flaw that up here doesn't work without a chemical crutch so that you can be happy, I don't buy it. Hello, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for being here today. And yes, we're almost to Black Friday. We're here in Canada, so we don't really celebrate it, but we hear a lot about it from across the border. So I am offering something special. Stay tuned to the show and you'll hear all about it. And thanks to our sponsor, the Cascade Hypnosis Center. And with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we're here to talk about a very interesting topic, and it's about, uh, well, like so many times, it's about health and wellness, but this time it's about human exposure to drugs, chemicals, and and that kind of thing. I'm really honored to have a tremendous expert here with me today. I've got Dr. Joe Newsma. Dr. Joe, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode today. That's great. Dr. Joe Newsma is passionate, like I said, about not only health and wellness, but educating and inspiring individuals to look for better ways to reach that health and wellness. And he has 30 years experience with human exposure to drugs, chemicals, and microbials. And he provides tips on intermittent fasting and uh, all sorts of information about COVID-19 and how to add longevity to our lives and just interesting things that this man is an expert in. So first of all, Dr. Joe, tell us, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, you know, Bruce, I've thought about that. And uh, I'm always a silver lining kind of guy. I always take the positive slant. I'm always looking for uh, the, the positive reason why things happen. And for me, that blends into what I think mindfulness mode is or mindfulness is because you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control the way you react to what happens to you. And the way you react is the way you think about things. And the way you think about things more times than not are the way things go. And I fully believe in a collective consciousness that 99.9% of the human beings on this rock don't know how to tap into myself included. But I think Every living thing, not just humans, humans and animals, every living thing is connected in some higher way of thinking. So with that, what I think mindfulness is, what you think and project to the universe is what the universe will return to you. That's what I think mindfulness is. Wow. What wisdom. I am just thrilled to talk to you because I totally agree. And I think I think it's a matter of figuring out, you know, hey, how do we take that information that you just said, how we're all connected, humans and animals, and how do we take that information and then use it so that we can live a better life? And that's what you work on all the time, isn't it? 
Exactly. And, and I'll tell you what, Bruce, that's the $25,000 question. You know, that's the one at the top of that pyramid from the old game show. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Wow. So, and it, it, you got to, I mean, it, it's an everyday process and it, it's not something that you flip a switch and then every once, you know, one day you wake up and it's like, oh my gosh, I am connected, I'm enlightened and everything is open to me. Although um, that might happen. That's not the, the norm. You know, I have friends that uh, that tell me that when they walk in a room and there's other people around, they can see people's auras. And they are so developed in their connection with the universe that they can actually see auras of different color. And those colors on the aura actually is a blueprint to that person's I don't want to say soul, but that person's motivations. And it's fascinating to talk to this guy because, you know, he'll, he'll go into more and more of this, but stops just short of saying, okay, Joe, this is how you get to that spot (laughs) because I'm not there. I can't do that. I'd love to be able to, but it's just, I I think uh, most people can't turn down the noise. And you absolutely have to be able to turn down the noise. And what is noise? Well, noise is all of the interruptions in your life. All of the, you know, it's like the the radio is on, the TV is on, the kids are bothering you, the dog is biting you, the 15 pharmaceutical products you're on are clouding your mental connections. Uh, The fact that you come home from work and the first thing you do is you have four beers or six beers. All of this stuff is noise and all of that stuff hinders the a person's ability to be and i mean you you could probably talk about that for weeks absolutely and and the one of the big problems is that we are bringing it on ourselves because we have this fear we have anger we have all of these emotions that we don't know what to do with and we're like oh well i'll just have another drink or i'll i'll eat more more processed food or whatever it happens to be now was there ever a time in your life when you would have thought that this information about auras that you just shared with us would have been nonsense were you ever at that point Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's a, uh, I think it's a process of aging. It's a process of maturation. It's a process of getting over yourself to realize that the human being in the form that we are, are really the top of the food chain in this universe. It's just, it's just asinine to think that when you actually get out of town You know, I hear a place like London, Ontario is famous for this, but you look up in the sky and you see how many stars there are. Bruce, a couple of weeks ago, I was up in the mountains for for a week of of R&R and uh, there were no lights. And you look up in the sky and you see how many stars are there. And my buddy that was there with me actually has a pair of second generation night vision goggles. I won't talk about where he got them, but uh, you put those on. And the sky is almost completely full of stars. And at that point, when you're looking up at the very little speck of universe that you're in and you see all the other celestial bodies that are up in the sky, if you don't realize how insignificant an individual human in that form is in this universe, you never will. 
And the fact of the matter is we're just a cog in the, in the process. You know, we're, we're not really the top of the heap, but we're very important in the heap. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But, you know, as much as you say we're at the top of the heap, we're at the top of the food chain, we're sure not acting like it, are we? No, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, we, we, I, mean I, I can approach that from just, uh, you know, from a toxicological perspective. You right. know, that's, that's, that's who I am. I got a PhD in toxicology. I got 30 years experience in human exposure to everything under the sun. And uh, the human animal is really the, the only animal on the face of the earth that will intentionally hurt themselves minus those animals that find the fermented fruit and get drunk. Uh-huh. So uh, toxicology has a couple premises. You know, the dose makes the poison, which which really means, Bruce, is something that's exquisitely toxic like cyanide can be non-toxic in low enough doses. And something that's non-toxic like water can be toxic in high enough doses. The best example of that is there is a drug of abuse called ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And it's very popular in the young folks, but when they take ecstasy, sometimes the toxic reaction is extreme thirst. And these kids will drink and drink and drink and drink and drink, trying to solve the problem up here that they're thirsty, but they're really not. And they dilute their electrolytes to the point that that disrupts cellular communication and it kills them. Wow. So the dose makes the poison. And then the other premise that's important in toxicology is uh, everything in moderation. And you're probably going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's where everything else comes in because we live in a toxic exposure soup. Yeah. And that's everything we breathe, everything we eat, everything we drink, and our environment. All of those things contribute to our our micro environment where we live that can be extremely adverse to human life. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much, how many top, toxic substances there are around. I mean, I know that when people use some of these air fresheners that you can buy in the grocery store, you know, it, when I inhale that, I just feel an instant headache. And I'm like, what is that? How can people have that going in their homes all the time? And, and I guess it's okay for them, but it just certainly seems toxic to me. And that's the thing. It's every individual is different. In the way that an individual responds to a chemical insult, everybody's different. And some people, I mean, you're familiar with statistics and the normal distribution curve and how you got two standard deviations, which fall right in the middle of that curve. Well, you know, that's good. And, and, and the human population gets by most of the time because most of your people are going to fall within those two standard deviations from the mean in their reaction. But what everybody likes to talk about are the tails, the people that don't react and the people that react very exquisitely sensitively. And unfortunately in the United States, most of the people that are making noise are in the tails of that normal distribution. And that's where, that's where you get your hyper reactors. That's where you get your people that have anaphylaxic to different things. You know, that's, that's a massive shock reaction that can kill you. And uh, instead of trying to keep everything simple and in the two standard deviations of the mean, it's the, the people in the tails that are pushing the rules of society. And if you will, that actually uh, is uh, how the whole COVID response has been. It's everybody that's in those tails, you know, we're talking three and four standard deviations away from the mean. We're going to make all of society bend to protect those people in the tails. And that's not the way you should do it. 
I said from the beginning of that epidemic, yes, the virus is bad. Yes, the virus is contagious. And yes, the virus has potential to kill you. But if you're generally healthy, you're going to win. And that's what's borne out over all of this uh, stuff that you hear. And you never know what to believe and what not to believe because the, the media has waging a massive disinformation campaign. But the, 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 uh, the kill rate is very, very small. And the people that have uh, medical conditions that have to make sure they're more protected know that mm -hmm. because they have to do the same thing for every cold and flu season. They have to be aware of who they're interacting with to make sure that there's no infectious disease insults that are there. And I said from the beginning, protect your at-risk populations and let the rest of the world live on as needed, as normal. Mm -hmm. And now you can see that grassroots push for that exact scenario. Yes. And had they done that from the beginning, then uh, you know, we wouldn't see the, the case that the, the repercussions of lockdown are worse than the virus. People right. dying of overdose, people dying of suicide, and the financial ruin and collapse and bankruptcies and anguish. And don't think that the collective doesn't feel that pain that a, a large, formidable uh, part of the society is going through. You know, it's just, I think that type of a feeling, that bad feeling, that pain feeling, that please help me feeling is broadcast to the masses a lot more than the, hey, if we all think about this in a positive manner, we're going to affect change. I think the bad message comes through to more people faster than the let's work together and make this a positive outcome. I don't know for sure, but that's just my feeling on it. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think it's, it's just, it's so difficult to know how to deal with it when, you know, everything is coming down from above and uh, here in Canada, you know, I mean, the government seems to be doing the reasonable thing, you know, and, and we, as citizens, we want to uh, do what's best for everybody else. Right. We, we want to, um, we want to prevent, you know, say our parents or grandparents or whoever from getting this and dying. We do know that some people in their 30s and 40s get it and are very seriously affected. But it it gets to the point where it becomes very confusing to know exactly how to deal with it. Exactly. That that's you couldn't have stated it any better. And the 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 choice that I see is you go about daily life and you're aware of it and you respect it and you go about daily life or you allow it to rule and you live in fear. And the fact of the matter is if you live in fear of coronavirus, why don't you live in fear of the flu virus, of H1N1, of swine flu, of avian flu, of hepatitis, A, B, or C, pick your flavor, of HIV, of, uh, of Ebola virus? Why don't we live in fear of uh, car accidents? Nobody ever worries about going out and getting in their car, realizing that that's the last 15 minutes that they're going to be on the face of this earth because some jackass is texting somebody and runs a red light and kills you. Mm -hmm. Nobody's afraid of that. <laughs> and, you know, you examine the statistics of that and the logic of how people are reacting to COVID just doesn't make sense to me, to me. And granted, my inner circle has not been affected by COVID. 
But if somebody contracts this disease and heaven forbid that it gets an infection and it's a serious one and someone dies, that sucks. That yeah, absolutely really sucks. But you got to remember, death is part of life. And with COVID in particular, exposure doesn't equal infection. Infection doesn't equal illness. And illness doesn't equal serious illness. And you have an order of magnitude in each one of those scenarios between exposure and, oh, my God, this is going to kill me. So people are upset over an event that's at least three to four orders of magnitude away from actual probability. So if someone is analytical, that argument alone should say, I don't have anything to worry about. If someone is emotional, they say, well, the TV says it can still kill me. And you're right. Right. If you listen to the media, if you listen to the news, wow, it just seems so serious. Every moment of every day it's being talked about. Yeah, you know. exactly. What's really a worse problem, Bruce, <laughs> and it, it happens a lot in our elderly population, is, is people that are on multiple pharmaceutical products, and they don't know why. If you think about it, uh, someone goes to the doctor, gets a drug. They start taking this drug for whatever condition. You can pick it. It could be heart disease. It could be blood pressure. It could be diabetes. It could be kidney disease. Doesn't matter. It could be high cholesterol. And they start taking that drug. And the thing they're treating starts to get a little better. But then other things start happening. The side effects of the drug kick in. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that could happen. Well, here, take this drug to prevent that. And then they're on two drugs. And then they have the primary thing that's going on that's getting fixed and the first side effect that they're now masking with this other drug, but this other drug also has side effects. So then they need to get on a third drug to get rid of the side effects from the second drug that's taking care of the side effects from the first drug. It really reminds me of that old childhood song about there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Yes, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And it sounds like you're almost describing my mom because yeah. she's always taken so many meds and then she takes another med. And, and you say to her, so, so mom, so what are all these medications? Oh, I don't know. I just take them. The you doctor know? told me to take yeah. them, so I got to take them. And they have this attitude that the doctor is all-knowing. The yep. doctor is all knowing and must, you know, so it must be right to take these. Meanwhile, you know, not only is she taking all the meds, but she's also eating tons of sugar and processed oh, foods. And, and of course, that's all throwing everything out of perspective as well. And sugar, sugar will destroy you. Yeah. Well, I went off sugar about five, four or five years ago and processed foods pretty much too. And I feel great. But then sometimes I think, but, you know, it's really weird that my parents are both, my mom is 89, my dad was 93 when he died last year. I mean, what's with that? You know what I mean? Like they just yeah. ate sugar all the time and they ate, you know, whatever they wanted and and everything else. And they still had this longevity. Now, I'm not saying it was quality of life. Right. But they still had longevity. It seems kind of strange because, you know, there's so many things you can do to improve your health, like cutting out sugar and exercising and yeah. all of these different things. Well, it's like my parents didn't do any of them. You know? right. the, well, the, the difference was their lifestyle. Yeah. They moved more. The lifestyle in this day and age is geared towards doing exactly what we're doing, sitting in a chair in front of a desk in the information age. Yeah. 
and the previous generation, they had a lot more ingrained activity in their daily routine. Well, my dad was a farmer, so he was there out there working all the time. Yeah, he was a very hardworking man. And that's why that's why he had the longevity. That's why he could eat whatever he wanted, whether it was, uh, you know, the eggs fried in the bacon fat with uh, toast with a, an inch layer of jelly on top of it. Yeah. And that's what they ate. Yeah. Every single day, but they worked it off. And nowadays, the 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 processed foods, which really kicked in since World War II, yeah. about the same time as the pharmaceutical industry took hold. You know, because uh, really between the American Civil War, which is 1850, 1860s, up until the 1940s to World War II, one of the main uh, drug products, there, there was some penicillins and there was aspirin. Right. And uh, then the pharmaceutical industry really kicked into overdrive since World War II and came up with all kinds of pharmaceutical products that are made of small molecules, which lo and behold, have their origins in the far eastern plant based eastern medicine. And so any Western physician that thinks that they're the top of the food chain as far as medical care is that's an arrogant attitude because they're ignoring centuries of uh, natural product experience in the Far East. And they have what one semester of pharmacology and medical school. They're only as smart as the last drug rep that came through their office. Right. And so um, their their pill mills. They see their patient for a minimal amount of time because that's all the insurance company will pay for. And they find out what they can prescribe to get this person, uh, you know, treat, treat some symptoms. Western medicine, especially in the United States, you can tell me about Canada, but especially in the United States, is not about curing anything. They're about creating long-term customers. And they want to treat symptoms and they love symptoms that last for the rest of your life because then they got a long-term customer. And what does customers mean to doctors? It means they got cash flow. I mean, it's really that simple. And uh, the the fact of the matter is they don't have time to do the drug analysis for people. So when people find themselves on two to 15 medications and they don't know why, and they got that pill bottle for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they have their morning pills, they have their night pills, and they're just taking them on blind faith. That's the people that need the HOPE program. And the HOPE program, Bruce, is called Health Optimization Prescription Evaluation. And you can get to that off of my website, superiortoxicology.com. You just uh, scroll down to you see the hope button. And uh, I offer a service to anybody that wants to know or that wants to have that analysis done to take a history of all of the pharmaceutical products you're on, doses, lengths of time, what you think they do, what you think they do that's bad for you. And I have that conversation with people and generate a report with recommendations for them to bring back to their healthcare provider and essentially have their doctor prove to them why they're on this drug and if they still need to be on this drug. And every single person without fail that I've done this analysis for has regained quality of life. And really that's because that uh, they don't know why they're on these drugs. They don't know if they still need to be on these drugs and it's polypharmacy. It's, it's just being on a bunch of drugs. It just steals your quality of life and it, you don't see a way out. You just see a hopeless spiral because of all these pharmaceutical products that nobody is willing to listen and say, you know what? You need to try to get off of these types of drugs. And wow. there are certain classes of drugs that, that people really don't need to be on if they can grab their bootstraps and give a big yank and take control of their own wellness. 
mm-hmm. in their own individual situation. Right. I totally believe that. Now, I want to go back to hope, health, optimization. Is that right? Optimum? Yep. yep. And then health, what was the P in the it's, E? It's health, optimization, prescription, evaluation. Prescription, evaluation. Okay. I see. And so then you do that for anybody who, who wants to have an evaluation. You'll, you'll help them out with this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And well, you uh, mustn't be big friends with the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> you know, I worked for the pharmaceutical companies for an awful lot of years. And I was always on the, what I did, my bread and butter for pharma companies is, is I set occupational exposure levels, which is the amount of a drug product that an employee can be exposed to while making the tablets and capsules until there's an increased risk of adverse effects. Because if you think about it, drug products are designed to have an effect on the human body. So if someone who's working with those chemicals, those drugs, provides a pathway of exposure, that means they eat some by accident, they inhale some, it absorbs through their skin, doesn't matter. A hundred times out of a hundred, that drug is going to have its designed effect. So my job was to make sure those folks were not getting hurt by performing their job. The other thing that I did is I set acceptable daily exposures. And what that is, that's the amount of drug A that can be found in drug B before it's an issue for the end user of the drug. So think about that. You go to the pharmacy to get drug A and there could be a little bit of drug B in that drug A. It's never a problem unless the person is violently allergic to drug B. Mm. But the industry has guidelines for how much of that can be found in a different drug. And that's what I used to set. And I've done that. I still do it. Uh, I've, I've done that for a lot of years and I've done that for a lot of drugs. You know, I've written that drug monograph for probably 1500 drug products. And the fact of the matter is most of the time, two standard deviations away from the mean, it's not going to be an issue. But when you're operating in the tails of that normal distribution, you can have some violent reactions. And that's where all the action is, is in the tails of that normal distribution. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. It, it reminds me of, in our area, there used to be a lot of tobacco grown, and they would be always looking for uh, young teenagers to come and work in tobacco, right? And after uh, guys went and worked for a couple of weeks with the tobacco, a lot of them would be sick, and they were and they sick be- because they were exposed to all this nicotine and whatever the tobacco, you know, delivered. And then after a few days, then they were usually okay and they'd kind of go back to it a bit. And uh, I, I used to think, well, yeah, that's because they're being exposed to all of those ingredients of the tobacco, right? Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely true. I've, I've written an OEL, Occupational Exposure Level, for THC. You know, the, for uh, a lot of the states that have legalized recreational and medical marijuana, well, that industry is just like any other industry. And the people that work in that industry are exposed to psychoactive compounds. And you have to protect that segment of employee population from occupational exposure. I'm going to cut in here, Mindful Tribe. I'm talking to you if you've been trying to lose weight for practically your whole adult life and you've just almost gotten to the point where you think, well, this is just, it's just hopeless. Well, it's not hopeless. It is absolutely not hopeless because 
that's describing me. I was always a few pounds overweight, you know, like 15, 20 pounds overweight. And I finally came to that conclusion. I guess there's just nothing I can do about it. I worked so hard to exercise and to eat the right foods and to just be so careful about my diet. Well, you know what? Hypnosis changes everything because it changes your mindset. Now I'm helping people by using the power of hypnosis. And for Black Friday, I've got a beta special going on where it's going to be 60% off the regular price. If you reach out to me between now and Cyber Monday, reach out to me. We'll get on a call, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put beta test in the subject line and we'll get a free 45-minute call going so that you can ask me anything and I'll explain how this works and we'll get on the road to better fitness, better health because you'll be slim and trim. And with that, back to the show. So what are your thoughts on marijuana? Do you feel that it's almost like a cure-all for practically everything? <laughs> well, this, this is something that I think because I really haven't delved into the science on that. Um, the cannabinoid receptors are natural in the human body. And when you have a receptor for a natural product, then the intention of nature was for the consumption of that product. Does that make sense? Yes. And... If there is a receptor for those active products, those natural products, then there is a function for those natural products. What that function actually is, is what I don't know scientifically because I haven't read the literature, but I know that there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that suggests that the cannabinoids help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And when you have that type of uh, population data, there's something to the compound. And I've never actually been hired or had the desire to go in and learn everything about that data set. But I would think that there's a lot of good that comes out of that drug product or that, uh, that active compound. Right. And there's a lot of, of uh, whether it's, it's pain relief or uh, glaucoma relief or better nerve transmission or whatever it is that people say it does for them, that uh, it would be deserving of a hard look scientifically to see the pluses and minuses. I haven't done that analysis personally. Right. Well, going back to your comment about the fact that as humans, we live in this toxic soup. Where should we start at <laughs> fixing that? I mean, it just seems so overwhelming. You know, I sure. mean, you know, what are your comments on, say, the first five things we should remove from our lives? Well, that's actually a question I get a lot. And I have a, a very good answer that's uh, that I would think if everybody is looking at this, oh my God, I breathe stuff, I drink stuff, I eat stuff, and I'm around stuff. The easiest thing to do is clean up what you drink. Get a zero water filter. Okay. And it's it costs probably 35 or 40 American bucks at Walmart. And what it is is a seven-stage water filter that has charcoal and other layers. And what it does is it takes everything out of the water. It takes the fluorine out, it takes the chlorine out, it takes microbials out, gets your sticks and twigs and grasshoppers too, but it removes heavy metals and other toxins. And this zero water filter is actually sold with a meter that, does, that measures total dissolved solids, TDS. And it tells you, test your tap water, run it through the zero filter, test it again, 
then it tells you that when it gets back up to a certain level, it's time to change filter. And if you do that and you run all the water that you use for cooking and, and for drinking through that zero water filter, you're removing a lot of toxins that used to be filtered by your liver. That's one of the easiest things you can do is go get a zero water filter. Okay, that sounds like good advice. Because that cleans up your water. And is distilled water okay? Mm-mm. It's not. Tell me about that because it doesn't have the minerals in it. Right, exactly. And it's, uh, it's just like if you think about the whole principle you learned about in elementary school called osmosis. Mm-hmm. Osmosis is if you have a tub of water with a membrane between two halves and you put a bunch of salt on this half and this half is just water. Well, in osmosis, things of high concentration, the salt like to go to things of low concentration where there's none to try to equilibrate stuff. Right. And distilled water has nothing. Yes. So if you drink distilled water, it's going to pull all of those electrolytes out of your body to try to to equalize the concentration in that water. That's why you don't want to drink distilled water. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that before, and I just wanted to know what you thought. So that's number one. Look at what you're drinking. Make sure you're drinking the right kind of water. What's number two? Number two is try to decrease or minimize or just avoid it as much as you can sugar right and that is a battle that's hand-to-hand combat every single day five years ago bruce i was addicted to uh to red bull oh yes i mean i i was drinking five cans of that a day loved it Mm -hmm. and my mom's like you know, read an article that some kid's heart exploded once when they were drinking too much Red Bull. And she asked me, stop drinking that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I did. I weaned myself a Red Bull. That was a battle. I did it using regular Coke, mm-hmm. sugared beverages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 you, you're, you're the crutch is the caffeine, the mental stimulation, because I can't stand black coffee. I think it tastes like dirt. Can't get around it. Mm. And if you drink coffee, but you add cream and a bunch of sugar, what are you doing? You're sugarizing your drink. So I'm like, if I can't handle the black coffee, I can't handle coffee. Got to be something else. So then once I was hooked on Coke, I was off the Red Bull, but now it was Coke. I got off the Coke using just flavored water and caffeinated flavored water and green tea, you know, matcha tea out of Japan. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, now... I may have a Coke once every couple of weeks. You know, you, you hit a, you're in a hurry, you hit a drive through, you know, it's like you just, you get the Coke with your Tim Hortons uh, sandwich. And uh, that's helped me decrease in sugar. But the other mantra that I have as far as superior toxicology and wellness about food is my mantra is eat half and mostly plants and you're going to be okay. Right. So if you're looking to decrease sugar, Go by the phrase, eat half and mostly plants, and you're going to be okay. Now, that's all about the toxicological mantra of everything in moderation. Because humans eat probably four or five times more than they need to. Yeah. Yeah, I totally believe that. And the more sugar you eat, the more you want. (laughs) Totally experienced that in my life. And from Halloween to Valentine's Day, that is the sugar crush time because you can't get away from it. It starts with that bowl of chocolate bars that you give all of the little costumed, adorable creatures that come to your door. You never, you always buy too much because of the back of your mind. It's like, hey, I can always eat it. And that just charges you. It moves you right into Thanksgiving and that's pumpkin pie. Yep. 
and then that moves you right into Christmas and Christmas is, is every piece of candy under the sun. And then there's new year's. The sugar usually comes from alcohol on new year's. And then Valentine's day. It's, it's a huge box of chocolates to show somebody you love them. How about getting on the treadmill to show somebody you love them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear you. Like we're just surrounded by sugar and I'm so grateful I gave it up. So, so what you drink, the water, decrease the sugar. What's number three? Boy, uh, number three is is try to get off of your pharmaceutical products. Mm. Really, if you are one of those folks that's suffering from polypharmacy, or you're one of those folks that can't get through the day without popping a dose of ibuprofen, just because that's how you got to live, you need to take a close look at that. If you need the chemical crutch to get through your daily life, there's got to be a better way. And I've spent my entire life looking for the better way. And it's, it's just like half the world is on Prozac. That's an antidepressant. Yes. And if you tell me that the human being is so designed with a flaw that up here doesn't work without a chemical crutch so that you can be happy – I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think the antidepressant push is because of the pharmaceutical marketing. Everybody thinks they got things bad because they don't know what bad is. Mm. If you really think about it and the best way to get off an antidepressant and it's tied into dropping more sugar too. Well, first, the very first step, the baby step is get your fat ass off the couch. Right. Yeah. Start moving. What I tell people is if you're depressed and you don't have a dog, go buy a dog because then you are responsible for another sentient soul on the face of this earth and they're going to pester the heck out of you to take them around the block. Yeah. And that's going to get you off the couch. That's going to decrease your sugar. That's going to elevate your mood. That's going to help you kick that uh, that that antidepressant. And the more you move, the more you're wanna you're gonna want to move. It's just like sugar. The, you take a little bit of exercise, little bit of steps, and that little bit of steps is going to get your your body just loosened up, and it's going to want more. Exercise leads to more exercise. And getting that dog and taking the dog around the block leads to uh, more happiness than you'd really ever believe you could be capable of. And then that leads to the decreased food intake, the decreased uh, processed foods intake. And it all comes together as baby steps to increase your wellness. And who's in control of that? Who's in control of that? You are. Yes. All you got to do is take the first step, take the first step. And in order to do that, you have to make the decision that you want to, because like the old adage says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You know, that's why the first step when I tell people is, is go buy a zero water filter yeah. because there's no exercise in that. It's a little bit of investment, but then you realize how much better you feel when you clean up your water that you drink. Tap water is disgusting. Yes. Because of the fact, and I know this because I work in water purification too, you know, the water plants work, they dump in a bunch of chlorine, which is a poison to kill everything that's in that water. And then they send it out through pipes that are lined with biofilm. 
that has all of that bacterial growth in there and protected from the chlorine because of the structure that it makes. Have you ever cut into plumbing and felt the sliminess on yes, the inside of plumbing? I have. That's biofilm. Yeah. And if you take chlorine out and replace it with chlorine dioxide, the one that I pedal is twin oxide, it takes that out. It takes out the biofilm. So you clean up the distribution system because when you chlorinate at the plant, send it through contaminated distribution system, what comes out of the tap? Contaminated water. That's why you need the zero water filter. That's why it's step one. Clean up what you drink. Once you get to clean up what you drink and you realize that, wow, this water is better. A lot and it better. makes you feel better. And when you start feeling better, that's when you say, Bruce, what else can I do? What else can I do? How, well, I mean, what's step two? What's step two? Step two is get off the couch. Start working on the fat ass. How do you do that? More exercise, less sugar. Because as soon as you decrease the sugar, your body's going to reset how you deal with insulin. And that your blood sugar is going to stay more like this than like this. Yeah. Because the peaks and valleys are what torches people. That turns. was that was the huge, huge takeaway I had is those peaks and valleys disappeared when yeah. I gave up sugar. It was like, yeah. whoa, I used to like around four o'clock in the afternoon. I'd be like, oh, oh you know, I've got to. But it just disappeared. And you grab that Snickers bar and that's the worst thing you could do. Oh, <laughs> Have an apple. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So that's the, that's the next thing you do is, is you work baby steps towards getting more activity and something else I like to do. And I read about this and I thought, Oh, come on, that's hokey, but I tried it and it works. Track it, print out a calendar, write it down every single day. Try to do a hundred body weight squats. That's just mm. getting up and down, up and down, up and down in your chair. Don't do it all at once. Do 10, do five, do 25, track it over your day, try to get a hundred body weight squats. And if you're really aggressive, do a hundred wall push-ups too. Mm -hmm. Just leaning up against the wall. Cause then you get your shoulder worked out and you get your legs worked out after a month's time, your legs will be significantly more toned and lean muscle is a lot more efficient metabolically than a blob of fat. Trust me. I know I got a lot of it. You know, I'm a big guy yeah. and I have fought this battle forever. It is not something you win overnight because it took me 52 years to get this size. I'm not going to get back down to any other low, lower size without significant amount of time. Right. And it takes effort every single day to make the choices to avoid the sugar, drink better water, get your exercise. Those are things that you can do. Then you add in getting off your pharmaceutical products. Yeah. You're going to be a lot better off And your website. I'm just going to mention again, superior toxicology, superior toxicology.com. Check that out. I want to uh, move into a segment with five quick answer questions, Dr. Joe, if that's okay. Ready. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? So I'm looking for like 30 second answers or less. One sure. person who has influenced you as far as mindfulness is concerned. Uh, my one person would be Max Champy. He's one of the world's leading scientists, and uh, he founded Live Longer Labs. And uh, he is the guy that can walk into a room and see the different color auras on people. And between he and his wife, they are probably the most universally connected people that I am aware of. And I enjoy every time I get a chance to talk with him and be with him and learn from him. 
Oh, I don't know him. So I'll put that in our show notes, Max Champy. So thanks for mentioning that. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Dr. Joe? My mindfulness has actually affected my emotions very positively because in my younger years, uh, I had a temper that was one of the tops in the universe. And when when I lost it, it's it's like a train wreck. The, tra- the train is off the track and there's nothing you can do to bring it back. And uh, being mindful has actually helped me to contain corral and not be a victim of my own anger and temper as I've aged. So tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness. Breathing is is how I center myself. You can, uh, and I swim a lot actually. That's, um, so breath control is a very big part of, of swimming. And so a deep breath and allowing your gases to exchange, I can actually feel the increased circulation in my body as I take a big deep breath and hold it in for a second or two or five or 10 or even 30, I can feel my body getting invigorated because I've given it the opportunity for that, uh, that very efficient gas exchange. So breathing is a huge part of how I can improve my physiology on a, on a second to second basis. And can you recommend a book related to mindfulness? I have not found one that that I have had the chance to read, so I don't have a book that I would recommend right off the bat, but I know that there's an awful lot of research into consciousness on uh, from Max Champy on his website, which is livelongerlabs.com. Okay. And are there any apps that you know of that can help people to be more grounded, be more focused, kind of like be that way? Well, the, the apps that, that it's the it's the dietary tracking apps and the exercise tracking apps because if you have a goal that you think about but don't write down it's not a goal it's a wish mm. in order to make it a goal you need to write it write it down and you need to track it and any app that helps track what you eat how much you eat what the calorie value is what you do how many times you walk around the block and other activities the baby steps is going to help you out. And they're out there a dime a dozen. Now, is meditation a part of your life? It is. Traditional sitting and watching and being quiet is not, but uh, my meditation comes when I'm in the pool Mm -hmm. because my phone can't ring and nobody can bug me. As long as I hit the wall and do a flip turn, nobody can stop me. And I have that swimming, those laps, to just be with me and my mind. And that in my, when I'm swimming a mile is when I can clear my mind, eliminate the noise and allow the universe to communicate what the universe wants to communicate with me. That's what I found. Wow. That, that's a great way to uh, get some calm and, and be yeah. grounded. So you swim a mile a day, do you? I try. Yeah. They don't make it every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think swimming is a great way to get grounded and focused. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So, well, it's been fantastic talking to you, Dr. Joe. And again, your website's superiortoxicology.com. What else will we find when we go to that website? 
you'll you'll actually find uh, a lot of information from Live Longer Labs and Pure Bella Vita and a supplement that I love called C60 Complete, which we didn't talk about at all. It's really a uh, a tool that I use to help people get off of pharmaceutical products, mm. and uh, it's it's a combination of carbon 60 and black seed oil and curcumin, and those are two very powerful natural products that are extremely beneficial to mankind because there's a whole world of supplements and things that are out there that uh, are very difficult to wade through. So I throw my expertise behind C60 Complete. You can read about it at c60complete.com. And if you have any questions, hit my website, hit the contact and, and send me an email and I'll make sure I answer all of those questions about that. But that particular supplement, it helps with your cardiovascular system. It helps with, with liver protection, kidney protection, heart protection, lung protection. It's antiviral, it's antibiotic, and it really sets people up to boost their immune system to ward off all of those little nagging illnesses that try to get in and decrease our quality of life. That's the other thing I didn't talk about, but, but uh, it's part of my overall spectrum when you're, you're improving your, your water quality and you're improving your exercise and you're improving what you eat and when you eat it and how much you eat it. Then the other thing that really ties it all together is to make sure that you have a proper supplement that is doing the job doing the heavy lifting that uh, your body doesn't always do. And the C60 complete, it takes care of oxidative stress in your body. So you don't have to do that firefighting every day. And your body uses the extra resources to heal. And your body knows what needs the attention to heal. And it does those things. So that's the other really important thing I like to talk about. That well, we it's good to hear you talk about that because we've talked about carbon 60 on the show before. Oh, good. And uh, I know that it's a very powerful. It's Max's powerful. product from Live Longer Labs. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Dr. Joe. This has been great. I appreciate the opportunity. Happy to come back. If, if your listeners love it and your listeners like to uh, like my style of delivery and want to dig in deeper on, on anything else, so, you know, we, we can talk about just about anything. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, Bruce. Great. Thanks so much. Bye now. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show today, Mindful Tribe. And thanks for subscribing. Thanks for telling your friends about the show. Thanks for leaving reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That's always appreciated. And now a shout out to Erica Flint over at the Cascade Hypnosis Center. Erica and Tim are terrific at teaching hypnosis. It was an amazing experience being a student there. I'm so excited to now have clients and if you are a healer or if you are a person who loves to help other people or you are a life coach or you are a you know any kind of business where you love to help people you can add hypnosis and become a hypnotist and help people that way so check out the cascade hypnosis center at cascadehypnosiscenter.com and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>